Hey, what's up? This is Chef Noel Cunningham, your Jamaican chef. Welcome to What's Cooking with Chef Noel, the podcast that dishes on the food and beverage industry and the entrepreneurial spirit and everything relevant to being a chef. If you love to cook or eat, this is a show for you. What's Cooking with Chef Noel, witty, real and informative. So we don't call him Kevin Burger Bergen for nothing. This man loves his job and the Winnipeg food scene. Whether it's eating premium ice cream on Osborne or sampling beer at your favorite tap room, Kevin gets to eat around Winnipeg and he also gets the heart of the story behind good food and drink. And he is my special guest this week on What's Cooking with Chef Noel, episode 2. Alrighty, so on the phone line now with me is the man himself, Sir Kevin, Mr. Main Ingredients. Hey, bro. How's it going? It's going good, bro. Going good, going good. Welcome to What's Cooking with Chef Noel. And it's been a while, right? It has been, and you are the busiest man in the culinary industry. You are always doing something. Well, I try. I'm trying. I'm trying to stay busy. I'm trying to keep up with you. Yeah, good luck. You surpassed me about a year ago. Yeah. Last year, I was supposed to be back in Winnipeg for my book launch, which you were supposed to host. That didn't happen. The pandemic just came in right on time. Always things for you since then, like pivoting with the whole pandemic. Um, everything's good. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I, obviously the world has kind of changed a little bit. Um, well, a lot for, for everybody at the same time, which is, which is very bizarre and strange. But um, uh, as people say, you know... Um, Necessity is the mother of invention, so a lot of people have found different ways to deliver their services, like many people across Canada and across the world, right? So, yeah. I, ju- I just I just end up doing the same thing. Yeah. And you're into technology, so let's say it's straight into it. You're into technology, right? That's what you do, um, computer thing? Explain right, so I, I work for the province here in Manitoba, yeah, in the, in the technology department yeah. during the daytime. But then it so happened that... You're now the host of the main ingredients. Tell us how you got that gig and what is the main ingredient? Um, well, you know what? A, a gentleman who works at the station, I used to bartend with a guy named Greg Mackling. Yeah. We go way back, like 20 years ago. Um, and he um, he was working at the station and I was originally supposed to be hired to to um, co-host a couple shows and produce a couple shows, yeah. which I still do. Uh, and then the, the original host for the main ingredient uh, had to leave abruptly. Yeah. And they asked me if I wanted to fill in for a couple of weeks. So I figured, sure, I'll give it a go. And um, the person who um, who was hosting the show originally was a chef. Like, he was a Red Seal chef, so he used to go over recipes and stuff like that. So I was kind of wondering, you know, they asked me to fill in, but I really didn't know what direction they wanted me to take it. And they kind of gave me free reign to do what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I used it as an opportunity to um, find and go into restaurants that I'd always wanted to go in yeah. and uh, and see what they were about. So the, the first restaurant I went into, uh, it, it went really well. So I think instead of taking the technical angle of how you cook food and all that kind of stuff, I kind of went with a personal angle on on how a chef got to where he where he is now and what his aspirations were and how he came up with his recipes and and what inspired him to actually cook in the first place so i did the first episode like that and it went off really well like a lot of people listened and then i just kind of 
kept going. And like I said, I was supposed to film for maybe three weeks. Yeah. And that was five years. Five that years. That was five right? years ago. It's, yeah, five yeah. years. And I was on in 2016. I was on in 2016. Yeah. And. Right. In the bed. Yeah. The best part about you being on the show, like obviously your your episode, to me was really memorable because I, we interviewed twice. We did in 2016, and then I think we did in 2019. And, yeah. and your mom, oh, your, yes. your your mom came in, which she was awesome, yeah. super nice lady. Yeah. Um, and a couple of things I, I noticed right away the second time. One is that uh, the first time you came in, you're a bit younger. You were still in school, and one thing that impressed me was I couldn't believe how much you were actually doing while you were still in school. I'm yeah. like, this guy's still at school? Crazy. <laughs> um, and the, uh, another thing during the second episode is you, I, I could tell that you had done a lot because the first time, it's not like you were, you couldn't speak or whatever. You were just a lot more shy. Yeah. Whereas the second time, you, you were well-versed in everything that you wanted to say. Yeah. You had done this a million times. You were super respectful to your mom. Like, it just reminds me of old school Jamaican, as in, it doesn't make a difference where, like, what you've done, how successful you've become, yeah. who you've talked to, who you're friends with. Your mom's in the room, and you're still, like, a 12-year-old boy respecting your mom as she should be respected. So I, yes. I thought that was, yeah. it was, it was, it was kind of nice. Yeah. And I also love the fact that you were, like, like, you were looking on me because, the first time I came on your show, you, like, your show got me the gig with Mark and Mandy. I'm not sure if you know that. So, the Mark and Mandy show, they are in, um, Bloom North, right? And yeah. their show is on, I think, City TV. So, the producer was listening to your show on CJOB, and that's how she heard me. And that's how I got on that show and did several episodes with them. So, your show has also helped me as well, helped my career, you know? And, that's awesome. Yeah, man, but, like, you and I, we connect through instagram and i think we had like an instant connection then we met and for some reason you're like this big brother you know uncle kind of vibe and the second time when i came on the show and you were like you're looking at me you're shaking your head like oh my god you have grown i can't believe how much you have grown and i really appreciated that that you know that you could identify that with me as well yeah no, i thought it was awesome to see because yeah. again Exactly like you said, it was almost like a, a big brother kind of thing that, that yeah. when we had met, we always talked about different things and always yeah. kind of texted each other, always stayed in touch, you know, did a couple of events, um, and it was always a good friendship. So, but I hadn't seen you personally in all that time until you physically came back and we hadn't had a real conversation, just kind of snippets through text. So when I actually interviewed you, yeah, I was like, holy crap, this guy has actually, yeah. he's grown quite a bit. And, and, and really experienced a lot. And it shows 100%. The minute you opened your mouth, I was like, oh, wow, this guy is actually, he's, he's developed into something and he's just kind of really soaked in all of the, all, everything that he's trying to learn here. Yeah. And then I think the two times I came on, you had like some big names in with my segment from Food Network. For some reason, I think the first time was this guy called Brad. He's the old stuff, um, some show on the next one. So those were always good that I'm among, you know, these people as well. Talking about that, who are some of the big names that you have really have on your show? It's not just people in Winnipeg you have, right? You have chefs around Canada? Yeah, well, the, 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 the good thing about the show that I do is that it's, it's, it's part of the Chorus Network, right? Like, CJOB is, uh, is, is part of the Chorus Entertainment Network, so the Chorus owns the Food Network. Yeah. So all of the shows where you see the high-end chefs, um, you know, that are doing all sorts of shows that I have access to, which is, which is fantastic. It's, yeah. it's a great opportunity to talk to some super high end chefs, but 
you know, as far as I go, my bread and butter is is really talking to, to guys like you yeah. who eventually will be guys like them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, one misconception, one thing that I've learned in this show is that you're always looking for, you know, the, the high-end restaurant, the high-end chef, the guy with a name or the guy with a following. When a lot of the guys who actually churn out and kick out great recipes is a guy at the local restaurant just down your street. The guy, your neighbor, who's a who's a chef and works at some restaurant downtown. Yeah. All these little places that uh, I'm a creature of habit. So when I find some place I like, I, I just keep going back there, going back there because I, I don't like going to a restaurant, spending my money and being disappointed. So it always makes me go back to the place where I know I'm not going to be. Yeah. But since I got the show, it's uh, I've, I have an opportunity to reach out to different places and go and eat at different places, yeah. which uh, opened your eyes at holy smokes. Even in in your small little town, or you consider it to be a small little town compared to Toronto, like Winnipeg's not a small town, but um, there's like gems all over the place that you can eat at every single day of the week. Yeah, and even some, and even when it comes to products as well, like product development, there are so many people now doing all these nice gourmet batches of products, which is also very good for the food industry as well. And I see you, even these breweries, and you also mix, you also do um wineries on your show as well like breweries which is good like, i think you have none such on those others right torque right so you're well versed with torque because the torque guys loved you yeah, those are my right people. so um <laughs> yeah they're, they're pretty awesome and uh, the great thing about the show too is is yeah it's you really uh you really realize how small the culinary community is yeah. how much they support each other and, you know, again, you, I think I've made friends from all over the place. So, you know, Matt and, uh, and John from Torque, Nick yeah. from Nicolino's, Patrick Miro from East India Company, me and him have become really good friends. Yeah. Um, Sherry Sobey, she is the owner of Generation Green. And literally this woman's, you know, her goal in life is to promote local restaurants, local products. Like, I think she's kickstarted, got to be 20 or 30 different companies that make local products, like basically giving them guidance. Uh, promoted their products, sold them in her store, and just guided them on, on the whole production process on how to get their thing from, you know, their mom pa kitchen or their commercial kitchen onto onto uh, uh, store shelves. So yeah. she is a huge, huge um, driver of uh, mm -hmm. of local success in Manitoba. Yeah, and what I also love, love, love about Manitoba is, of course, you know, Canadians are friendly, but the thing with Winnipeg or Winnipeggers is that they are very helpful. And they will connect you and it's like a community. That's what I love about um Winnipeg comparing to bigger cities. Because even Tork, that guy helped me with my jerk marinade. He took it from one level to a next level. Yeah, you know? yeah, and he was a good he was a really good person for you to meet. Like the timing on that was so right. Yeah, it was. You came in, you gave me some of your your your, your jerk sauce, which was awesome. Yeah. And then we, we go to Tork, you meet John. And John used yeah. to own a marketing company. Oh, right, so yeah. he, t he he tastes your your sauce, yeah. and immediately you guys click it off, you hit it off, yeah, yeah. and all he wants to do is try to help you yeah. promote this product, which he I thought did. was yeah, awesome. And he connected me to so many people who like, and I learned so much from him, which I just love that, and I love that it was just a community, and even that restaurant where we had that Valentine's dinner at the time, you remember that dinner? That's where I met him as well. Uh, right, which was awesome because there's a picture of me, you, and Jeremy Sinaris, right, from MasterChef Canada, all posed in, in that uh, <laughs> in that fundraiser dinner. I, I still have picture. that picture. It's awesome. I, yeah, I love that picture, man. Like sometimes I, I look on it, I see the like the Instagram memories, and I'm like, yo, I love this memory. 
Or yeah, troubling. good. Yeah, the Filipino guy with the Jamaicans. Totally. I know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So you're, so you're no baking patties. What about that? What's up with that? Yeah, so years ago, my mom, you know, mom was Jamaican already, obviously, right? So she, she used to make Jamaican patties for the family. Yeah. And um, she used to take them for lunch at work. And then somebody ordered, asked her for some, she made them. And then so many people were asking, she just would make them and they would pay her. So then yeah. she wanted to kind of make, I decided, hey, I set up a little company for her. I set up a little website. And this was years ago. Um, only she was too busy. She just got smoked. Like some guy came on a Monday and ordered 800 of them off her and he wanted them in like a week. So I told him, dude, you, you cannot make 800 patties in a week, like by hand, one by one. You No, tell him no. But of course, she didn't. She told him yes and stayed up day and night to make these patties. So I basically shut her down. I'm like, like my mom now is around 85, but at the time, this was probably 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm like, there's, there's no way you can continue to do that. It's just too much. So she just kind of decided to do it small scale. When people ask her, she would, she would um, make them for them. But when the pandemic happened, she's like, you know, hey, I'm bored. And I, you know, I'm retired and I want to work. Yeah. So I figured, okay, you know what? Let's do this again. The kids will help. Danny from Danny's Whole Hog, great guy. Yeah, yeah. He, I had this conversation with him over beers. I was telling him my mom wanted to do this. And he's like, well, let her do it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, where's she going to do it? He goes, well, I've got a commercial kitchen. And I'm like, she's going to need a mixer. I got a mixer. And he, he's like, I got this. I got yeah, that. So see? every reason why I was trying to say no, he had a reason to say yes. So we, you know, he, had a, uh, he has these three commercial ovens that can cook a thousand patties at a time. You know what I mean? So there's really no no reason to say no. So we decided, okay, I'll set this up again. We'll create a website. We'll deliver to people. And, you know, the first week I thought, hey, well, you know, here was a couple orders. And then she just got annihilated over the... Um, so we're talking everything kind of shut down in March-ish. And probably from March to September, probably made 10,000 patties. Wow. And, and delivered to people's homes, right? So in that span of time, she made about 10,000 patties. And, um, yeah, since then, that's all we've done. So she's, she's in a couple stores now. Yeah. Um, cool. and, uh, so, so now we, 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 we kind of switched gears here. So she doesn't sell them online anymore because, um, a, a few stores wanted them and making the orders for the stores yeah. kind of took over from online sales and delivering because online sales and delivering, it's not the online sales, but the delivering portion was getting to be a little bit much. Yeah. So instead of delivering, we just make for these two local stores. Uh, one's in uh, about Stanley Foods. One's on St. Mary's Avenue, and one is on uh, on Portage Avenue here in St. James. Yeah. And um, we just point people to those two places. So yeah, um, they buy a, a ton of them. We make a ton of them, yeah. and uh, yeah, we sell them from there. Yeah, because you know, trust me, people love patties, and if it's good, a nice flaky crust, and you know, spot. I was supposed to meet your mom too. I think the first I would meet, we were talking like, oh, if my mom see you, she would like you. But I never meet your mom. <laughs> I know. I wanted. I wanted, actually wanted our moms to meet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, I I, when I met your mom, I'm like, what a sweet lady. She's just so gentle and sweet. Uh, she reminded me a lot of my mom. Too young. Um, and then we get along well, right? Yeah. And you weren't born in Jamaica, right? You were here. Uh, I was born in London, England, and then I, I moved I to Winnipeg when I was five. Yeah. So where's your accent? Where's your British accent? Lost it, man. When you're <laughs> When you're a kid, you pick up accents from anywhere. So if you move somewhere as an adult, you usually keep your accent. But if yeah. you if you move somewhere when you're a young child, yeah, it doesn't take long. Within a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, that accent was gone. 
So do you go back um to England or anything like that? Do you? You know, uh, way back when I was younger, I did, but I haven't been back for at least 20 years. Okay, so you have some royalness in you, eh? <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to tell you that I didn't want to tell you that I'm a I'm a prince or a king, but I know you know you're so full of it. <laughs> so there's some stuff you have learned. <laughs> so there's some stuff that you've learned so far doing your show and the growth. Stuff that I've learned so far doing the show. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to repeat what I what I said earlier, which is the the main thing. Yeah. I'm a creature of habit. And I, I never really would venture out of the handful of restaurants that I'd always go to. And with the show, um, it's given me an opportunity to go to many restaurants and find out, you know, that many, there are many talented chefs yeah. in this, uh, in this small city yeah. that can do many wonderful things. You're watching TV and you're watching all these chefs do all this magical yeah. stuff and you're thinking, holy smokes, like that's, they're leveling up. No one could ever do that here. There's a guy doing it down the street. Yeah. There's a guy doing it downtown. There's guys all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're a prime example of that. Though you are in school, you know, even when you were in school, you were rocking it, making all these recipes that were blowing yeah. people's minds. Yeah. And you were very unassuming. Who would know that this this kid is about to do this stuff? Yeah. So it just kind of really opened my eyes to you know all the talent and uh, and all the people in the culinary community and how well connected it is. Everybody has no problem sharing ideas. Yeah. Like you know, everybody helps everybody out. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's actually, and I didn't grow up in that community. Like I'm not a chef. So, yeah. um, you know, I wouldn't know that, but after, after you start talking and meeting, it's, yeah, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good place to be. And you were behind some festivals, right? The beer festival and stuff. Those are all on pause, right? I guess. Right. So yeah, the, the Winnipeg beer festival, um, uh, and the food fest, um, Manitoba, well, it was Manitoba pizza week, but now it's national pizza week. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, that's been going back to that for the last three years. But the beer fest, beer fest would have been monstrous if COVID didn't hit. Like yeah. this year would have been, 2020 would have been a year of festivals because we had, I had another one lined up that was going to be just monstrous at Assiniboine Downs. But um, yeah, those, those three have been really successful and basically successful from the relationships that I've created from the show. Like yeah. the, the beer fest took place because Sean Branson, who runs all the events at Fort Gibraltar, um, he wanted to put a festival on there, but he didn't really know a lot of the beer guys. Now, of course, you know, I, when I when I had a food show, that's the first thing I did was get, go to breweries, right? Yeah. Um, so I got to know a lot of them really well, again, John from Torque. So it was easy it was easy for me to connect the dots to get the festival organized along with him. And uh, the first year was just phenomenal. Like it was, I couldn't believe that I could put on an event and actually have that much fun at the same time. You know what I mean? Drinking beer. I walked around with a, with a, with a coffee cup filled with different yeah. kinds of beers yeah. for six hours. It was the best. That's a life. Loved it. That's a life, man. Dude, and the beer guys, you know how it is. Yeah. Brewers, guys, they're all the best. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? They they're not pretentious. They're so laid back. Yeah. All they want to do is talk to you about you know, how they brewed, what they brewed, how it tastes. Yeah. I'm like, this is the best, man. And the IPA and what's not IPA and all these stuff. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Right? The sad part is, since I've, since I've done this for the last five years, I've put on at least 30 pounds. Wow. Just yeah. from all the food, pounds. the beer, and yeah. easy. I was a buck 80 when I, yeah. you know, I was a buck 70 when I started. Yeah. Because right? I was on 2016, yeah. 
Yes, you started around that time. You started around um, late 2015, I guess, eh? Yeah, late 2015. Yeah. So you gained 30 pounds. But you can easily bounce that off, I'm sure. Yeah, that's it. I'll tell myself that every day. What are some main ingredients in your kitchen that you must have? Yeah. You know, the best part for me is this is going to sound, this may sound great <laughs> to some people or super lame to others. Yeah. Right? So back in 2016, yeah. I built a granny suite on my house so that my mom could live here. Yeah. So she has her own suite that's onto my house. And one of the, not one of the main reasons, of course, you know, it's one of the main reasons about she's getting older so we can, I can take care of her and make sure she's well taken care of. But my mom does all the cooking. She's Jamaican and she cooks everything. Yeah. She cooks literally everything that's in this house, this big which is the best. Soup, right? The big pot of soup on Saturday and I'll cook it. <laughs> so you don't cook? Uh, it's a big production every day. Yeah. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a simple, do you really believe that you're going to go in a kitchen that your mom is, is cooking and take over her kitchen? I know. And I have no, I, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. So it's the best of both worlds. I get yeah. to go out and enjoy great food through the show or I stay home and, and eat her cooking all day long. And get some she comfort. cooks for my kids. Yeah. Trust me, they love to cook and they have their menu plan in your head. Oh, I don't have this. I'm going to need this from the store. And you have to bring it. Absolutely. I get text messages all the time. They're like, when I'm coming home, but you gotta stop somewhere and get X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> that's fair enough. What, what, what do I care? I'm not, I'm not doing any real work anyway. Yeah, that's fair enough. I know that's all these um, moms are, and especially when they start to get all these grandkids, they take on a new mom role because you have to show them the Jamaican cuisine and what's up. Totally. Yeah. And then, because about these new days cooking, and you know, like, I don't understand how you guys cook these food so fast. Because I'm like, the food cook longer. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, man. Yeah, so I'm kind of I'm kind of spoiled that way. So, yeah, I sound, that may sound really great or really uh, lame, but either way, I love it. It's best. So, um, what's the scene like now in Winnipeg as it relates to COVID and restaurants? Um, Things open up as yet or? Yeah, so the um, things have opened up slowly. So, restaurants can do a 50% capacity, um, but it has to be people that are within your household. Oh. Right, so they, they are opening up slowly. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the whole family thing, people in your household kind of gets, throws a little wrench in it, but, you know, the government doesn't want to go backwards as far as uh, cases go because we've, you know, probably a few months ago we were really high. They've managed to do a good job in containing that. The restaurant industry has suffered quite a bit. Yeah. You know, so if you were someone that, that was on the cusp or, you know, living, you know, check to check for lack of a better term or you know it, it's probably weeded all those restaurants out because there's no way you could survive doing doing steps up now because you know you're 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 doing takeout you know curbside pickup and takeout so um now that places have opened and and they're allowed to open their patios now so they've pretty much given anybody uh, a license to open their patios uh, once it gets warmer and you know winnipeg as soon as it gets even close to zero, people will go on your patio. Yeah. And a lot of people want to support the restaurants. They don't really care that it's cold outside. A lot of people have supported them to takeout. A lot of people will support them on the patios. They will yeah. support them if they're selling products. They don't really care. Yeah. So Winnipeg has shown a lot of support for local products. And the vendors themselves have shown a lot of support helping each other out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Good. That's good, yeah. Because yeah, even, it's really good. I was walking through um, Kensington Market here and I saw... A lot of these restaurants closed down, notice on the door and stuff like that. And trust me, the place feels so different. 
And you never realize the difference that these restaurants make within a community or a city. The difference that it makes. So I clearly right understand when, yeah, person want to see them open. 100%. And that's, that's another point, too. Like, a lot of times people ask, oh, it's never going to be the same. People are going to be very weird about going to restaurants or going out in general. And how are we going to recover? And I think the exact opposite. Yeah. I, I, you know, everybody's been cooped up so long. That restaurant that you maybe walked by 10 times yeah. over the years, you know, that you barely looked at, you were going to look at. And all you want to do is go out to eat. You're tired better. of cooking yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You actually want to talk to humans without a mask on. Yeah. And you actually want to enjoy some good food and socialize. Like, I, it's not like I was lacking a social life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went out to eat three, four, five times a week. And all I do is talk to people. And and now COVID, I don't even have time to talk to people. Yeah. And, and like I said, it wasn't as if I, I had a lack of it before. But now that you can't have it, you know, it's easy to, to, yes. to not do something when you yeah. choose not to do it. Yeah, yeah. But when you can't do it, dude, it's crazy. So, yeah, I can't wait till this is over. You know, so it's going to be a you know slow process, but yeah. still, I think people are going to once we have the ability to go to concerts and go to festivals and yeah. maybe you know go to that small restaurant or whatever you're doing, people are going to do it in droves. Yeah, because I'm at this restaurant now because I just opened my spot here in Toronto too, um, at Trinity College Street. So yeah, Cuisine mm-hmm. Noel got its own spot, and look at that. Yeah, and I'm just doing like. Uber Eats, DoorDash, skip the dish, and pick up. And honestly, most days I'm walking through the restaurant and I miss like bumping in people saying, excuse, sorry, blah, blah, blah. or I see people drinking, having a good time. And because that's what we do, right? We are in an industry where it's all about people and seeing people. And, you know, it's crazy. Right. It's, it's, that, it's all, you know, the, the, the instant gratification. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you love making food, watching someone try your food, and then watching their faces as they're blown away from your food. Yeah. And going to talk to them about it. Yeah. Or going to talk to them about anything. About the drink they're drinking, or how their day was, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just the whole social aspect of it is almost as good as the food, right? Yeah. And what's so weird, what's so weird now is, because I just opened, right? So people coming out who have never seen me before, they want to take pictures. People want, people miss the, and then hospital, then uh, the hospitality is all about the personal touch with the food or with people seeing you or taking pictures with you and honestly i it feels bad honestly it feels bad because we're social distancing taking picture plus you still got on a mask and i'm like 20 no, years time, 20 years time, you're gonna say oh this was chef now will be on the mask <laughs> i know totally you know and i'm you know i know we need to run masks and i'm not i'm not a mask hater per se like i'm not a person that would sit there and define not wear masks because you know they're 100 percent you know uh necessary but i can't wait till they're gone i actually want just want to see someone's face i miss seeing people's faces no matter what their face looks like i just like looking and there's actually know what that person looks like the next time i see them yeah right yeah because there are some people who come to the restaurant and they're like they have on their mask one they're expecting me to know them two Oh no! Well, I always comment on your page. Um, my name is so and so, but if I see the face, then I can remember. But just crazy. Yeah, now you gotta now you gotta remember the eyes. Yeah, the eyes. <laughs> but the good thing with the good thing with the restaurant and COVID is that chefs and restaurants are learning new ways that they can serve their customers, which is good. Hundred percent. Yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. 
Yeah. So you have to get creative in every way, shape, and form. You got to be creative in what you're making. You got to be creative in how you how you deliver it, how people pick it up. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, and I, you know, this word has been used a bazillion times during this whole thing. You know, you got to pivot like crazy, yeah. and it's not just one pivot. Like today, maybe I'm doing this, and then you know the regulations change, the rules change because the, you know COVID has changed, and then all of a sudden you're doing that, and now you're doing this this yeah. week. So kudos to all the restaurants that have actually managed to stay open so far and actually, you know, there's some that actually, you know, a lot of people have succeeded, not just survived, Yeah, you know, they've actually succeeded. So kudos to anybody who survived, even more kudos to anybody who has found a way to really succeed. And, and hopefully that continues. It's so funny you said that because last year, you know, March 15 was supposed to be my book launch in Winnipeg. And as I said earlier, and when COVID hit, I was like, yo, I have all these books. What am I going to do? And I, I, work, <laughs> I work events and all these stuff. There's nothing happening. And trust me, let me tell you, 2020 was my busiest year ever. And you almost feel guilty saying that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I've gone into businesses. I've talked to people who actually, because of the situation, have increased their business. Yeah. But they don't want to say that because it's almost like you have all these people failing around you and it's not any fault of their own. It's life. It's just it's a, t- a tough time. Yeah. And then people can ask you, hey, how are you doing? You're like, man, I'm, this is, you know, you're not saying it's great, but your business is booming. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's almost the last thing you want to say. Yeah. But it's life, you know, because I tell them all the time when people are losing, it's like gambling. Life is like gambling. When someone loses, someone is going to win. And totally. With a, a pandemic, most people just want to do Netflix and chill. They want to get more alcohol, wings and binge and whatever. But it's all about your mindset. How can you change what you're doing to go with the time that, that we're in? And for me, my first gig was a live cooking session with the Jamaica Tourist Board. I was doing so much virtual event. I did jerk fest virtually i was i started doing cooking sessions on my facebook and that's how i would increase my book sales so instead of burying yourself in a pandemic and say oh the world is shutting down how can i you know change how can i pivot how can i go with the wind and that's what i did i even go on this page called jamaicans.com doing cooking session every wednesday no, I just got some book in the mail. I'm waiting on books. My books online went number one how many times because of the sales. And plus, you got to also put yourself out there. And there are some chefs who don't use social media. They don't use technology. But now, everyone is doing live cooking. Right. And those are the ones that will survive. Number one is uh, nothing is going to stop a creative business mind. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Like, there's, there's no situation that a true business person, a creative business person, is going to sit there and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden tap out. Yeah. The only way they're going to tap out is if they're dead. You know what I'm saying? They've they, they got to be six feet under before they're going to tap out. COVID's not going to make them tap out. There's just some people that, that was, that's what they were born to do. Yeah. And they're going to do it regardless. And the same way when it comes to restaurants. I've gone into restaurants where the food is awesome. The, 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 the people are awesome. The chef is awesome. But, they just don't want to embrace technology. So they may have great food. They may have, you know, a great staff and all this kind of stuff. And they, they may have a good following, but sometimes they just won't embrace things that will actually push their business forward. And a good example of a person who is not like that, like Joe from Pasquale. He's, he's the same age as me. I just turned 50. I think he's like 49. 
he's a guy that has been around, you know, grew up in his parents' restaurant in the 80s, the 90s, eventually took it over, that kind of thing. So he's been through different eras of restaurants. You know what I mean? The 80s and 90s were super booming for restaurants. They were making money hand over fist. Things, yeah. Then things kind of changed, and you kind of got to work for your money. Well, this guy, he, he, he embraces every piece of technology that it comes to marketing. Instagram, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, he, he, he does, you know, a lot of the, you know, how they, they do marketing through text messaging now. Anything that can make people realize that he's open, he's doing. And he actually does it quite well. So he's not a guy that sits around and waits for people to, to come into his restaurant. He goes out and gets them. And yeah. in, in this day and age, you, you have no choice but to go get them, right? Yeah. I did a uh, session the other day online for Black History Month for the city of Toronto, the technology department. I think similar to what you would do. And the big boss party asked me like, you know, your Instagram is great, Noel. Your Facebook, your social media, you are out there. How did technology help you at the start of the pandemic? And like, no. I said, well, one of the prime examples of no is um, no streaming to you guys. And that's how you guys could find me that because I was already out there i put myself out there from day one that's how you kevin found me too right through instagram yeah right. and i've seen some chefs if you go on your instagram or something like that the last time they post was 2018 or their instagram is like super private and all, and i'm like you know these are the one who will just stay in the pandemic and binge even though you have some chefs who are super busy behind the scene it's not just social media but you know you're still doing their thing but Right, it's, it's just another tool. Yeah. Like on the flip side, you don't want to sit there and, and think that that is going to, you know, be your be all and end all to get you all the business you want. It's oh, just another tool that you're using, yeah. you know, to, in order to run your business. The same way that a lot of people rely on social media, but they forget about their website. And I'm like, you know, you don't own your social media. You don't own your followers. If, if that if that if that app, uh, you know, changes an algorithm or or let's say it just shuts down. All the people that you are, that are following you, you don't you don't know them and they don't follow you anymore. You don't have them anymore. All those tools, those social media tools, are supposed to drive people to your website to get them to sign up on your distribution list. So now you have their email address and now you own them. You can actually reach out to them yourself. You don't have to sit there and depend on Facebook or pay Facebook to reach all of your users that you've gained in the last couple of years in order to get a message to them. You can use those to drive them to your sh online shop and then they actually buy into what you're selling, and now they are yours. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I love the way earlier you just slide in that you're 50. You just turned 50. I love that. I'm an old man now, man. I'm gonna get a cane soon. <laughs> I love the. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel 50, but I don't know what 50 is supposed to feel like. Yeah. Like, but I feel great. That was smooth, man. Man, like, oh, yeah, he's 49. I'm just turned 50. I'm like, yeah. I want to talk like that, you know, 20 years from now. <laughs> some people hide their Crazy. age. Some people hide their age, but then I watched Wendy Williams and she was like, you know, people who don't achieve much in life tends to hide their age. But when you have accomplished so much, you can proudly, you know, tell your age. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. Right. Uh, usually people who don't want to say their age, yeah, are, you know, either... Usually it's because maybe they're in a place, yeah, they don't feel like maybe they've done enough for their age. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? But, but if you have someone who's super successful, because they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
That's all everybody about the rages. Yeah. And I think you're in a good um stage, you know, 50, your family, a good career. Every, like, you're good. You're like, you're like the Idris Elba of Winnipeg, the Denzel Washington when you're walking through with your shades and stuff. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Smooth criminal. <laughs> I, 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 I'll take Denzel Washington money, okay? Yeah. I don't have to be Denzel Washington, but I'll take Denzel Washington money. Yes, man. And <laughs> you're best. still on, so your show is still on. And what time can we listen, the main ingredient? It's on at 5 o'clock Saturdays and Sundays on 680 CJOB Central Time yeah. all the time. And then it goes to podcast. You can go to kevinbergen.com and you can see all the latest, you can find all the latest episodes and written articles about all the places that have gone and the chefs and uh, get all the information on them. Yeah. Oh, sounds good. So if they don't catch it on CGOB, they can go to kevinbergen.com, right? Yeah, it's on all the all the podcast pl- platforms like, like you're on. So, yeah. you know, iTunes, Google Play, okay. all that stuff, nice. Spotify. Yeah. Alrighty, thank you so much, my bro. Is there anything else you want to add? No, man. It's good to it's good to hear from you. I'm really proud of you. Yes, man. Like I, I said, it. I almost I almost don't like following you because I just want to wait six months, then see what you're up to, and just see how further how much further you've gone. So yeah, I'm super proud of you. I think you're the best. I appreciate that, bro. I appreciate that so so much. Yes, man. Bless. All us. right. I know you're gonna I know you're gonna change the world by the time I talk to you next. So hopefully <laughs> you look down. Hopefully, hopefully you acknowledge me still. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. And I can't wait to come back to Winnipeg. I can't wait to come back to Winnipeg. Like, every day people message me like, hey, when are you coming back? We miss you, Noel. And, yeah, I can't wait to just come back to the city. Winnipeg is like well, hey, home. Yeah. You give me a heads up when you are. Yeah, man, I will. I will for sure. All right, bro. All right, thanks, bro. Yeah, man. Stay and there you have it. We have come to the end of another great episode of What's Cooking with Chef Noel. A special thanks to my guest for joining the conversation. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Remember to follow us on Instagram at What's Cooking with Chef Noel. And to catch all the latest happenings from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I am Chef Noel. Until next time, see ya!